Welcome back and thank you for joining us again. Buckle up as we continue the conversation. So maybe I'll just take it from the top, the one on loneliness. If you look at loneliness, it, inc- it increases our chances of dying by 45%. No. 45%. I don't that that was like, what? It? Yeah, that is massive, my friend. That's massive. And do you know mm. why I, I am believing? Because we've learned that humans are tuned for connection. So we are built <laughs> for connection. And we're not saying this because we just love being around our friends and everything, but in how our brains work, in how um, the like brain activity kind of yeah. changes patterns when yeah. we are with people, when we are having these connections, you know, um, and the fact that actually it is connection that heals us even from our deepest depression mm. and it heals our yeah. traumas. Like it really transforms us having connection and we are mm. human beings and we like living in groups uh, to protect ourselves, obviously, and to survive as a species. So there is valid uh, data points, I think, that prove how important connected, um, being connected is. And so loneliness being the opposite of that, I feel mm. it, why it's such a threat to, to human mm. society. I just never understood, Uba, it is that bad, like 45%. Um, compared to other risks so it's a life risk yeah it was interesting to know all of that yeah I mean as usual these books um, obviously me and you will never choose substandard books number one Ooh, look <laughs> at you <laughs> so um, as usual the books that we share or we read we review as usual, there's so much more that one can get out of the books that we select, you know. Yeah, and especially on this emotion um, topic, the topic of emotion and identifying emotions and really just being uh, aware on what emotion are you feeling in any circumstance. And, you know, I'll be very honest, there was a time when I I read the book and I almost felt like, oh my goodness, why am I offending Brene, being Brene? There was a time when I got really like, no, this is too much. I don't think this is practical Um, in the real world. There's a a point where I felt like, this is so much theory. Honestly, how how do you even connect to all these emotions? What is the purpose? Why do I need to know the difference between being in awe and being surprised and being wondrous. I was just like, oh, why am I reading this book at some point, to be quite honest, you know? Mm. So that was my first my first point where I was just like, no, I don't want to read this book. Um, I don't think it's practical. And then the second thing, um, there was a point where I felt like, Yo, you know, now that I know what I know about the African culture and our background, you know, as African people, we we still have, at least in, in Africa, we still have majority of probably people that are not really as good with English. 
And yeah, I reflected on that for some time. And I said, you know, maybe that's the difference between uh, African culture and the Western culture. Um, we, we did not label a lot of things. And I think we spoke about this, about how we've always handed down information through storytelling. And our stories were usually in, you know, parables. And also our, our what do you call them in English? What do you call mm. them in English? What is that? Our customs, right? Yep. It's never been labeled to this extent, you know. So I found myself having this um, misalignment and, you know, to say, shoo, how do we bridge this gap? But then I got to a place to say, you, you know what, there's no need for us to bridge. You know, we're just coming. There is a need for the information that Brene is giving us. Um, but I found myself thinking we are also very limited in our African cultures. That's anger. I don't know which other way you can say you know, to cover equally the same uh, spectrum as in English. You know what I mean? Is it relevant? I, I thought, is it relevant? I think that's a good question. That's space, a really good question. You know? Yeah. So, in yeah, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, mm. And I think to make a direct comparison may lead in the wrong place because mm. I do feel that our languages in the first place, like from the get-go, are much more richer than the English that we speak today. And by the way, even if you look at the roots of English as a language, what we speak yeah. today is a watered down version of the original English. So we had to find this mm -hmm. basic language that can help us to communicate. I do yeah. think, like I'd like to believe that in my, mi like, in my mind, our languages are much more richer. And so I would expect that we are able to address all these different emotions and experiences with our language. Mm -hmm. The difference where it is, is that uh, because we are urbanizing so much, we may be moving away mm -hmm. from that, you know, rich language that we use when we yeah. are within our own groups, uh, you know, um, compared to like when you are Zulu, you are talking to me, I'm Kosa. So yeah. even if both of us are talking Zulu, but there are certain levels of Zulu that then I would totally miss. And mm. it's the same vice versa. So we end up even between us talking some Fanagalo kind of mm. Zulu or Fanagalo mm. kind of Kosa. We don't go very deep, yeah. you know. So I think there is depth and texture and it's very important mm -hmm. for life experience. Uh, Brene Brown probably saw the same thing in English mm. and felt we need to expand this, let's add color so that it's not just black and white, but there's mm. all these different colors and spectrum. Yes. There's a part where she was trying to articulate, first of all, she highlighted the importance of just words and language and the importance of awareness around which words we use and when, right? For me, it also touched on another conversation when we were interviewing Tombozi about how we, uh, we navigate 
circumstances, for example, I think at the time we were talking about somebody that is not working, that's just lost their work, right? And mm-hmm. they are between jobs and how do you handle such conversations? And all that really does boil down to language, right? So I thought, wow, this is one, one practical thing I can link this book to, right? Because we spoke about the need to be able to be aware of the conversation that you're having and the possible sensitivity that might be needed to navigate the conversation. So if you read this book, you then have a broader spectrum of words that you can use. I found a part that I know you're going to love a lot. And this is the part that refers to Dr. John Gottsman's. Um, and this is where uh, Brene was talking in the section we go when we feel wronged. And she was looking at mm. criticism versus contempt, right? And yeah. um, maybe if I may give like a very light intro of who John Gottsman is, basically, he wrote the book about love languages. He mm. runs a love lab uh, with his wife. And there's uh, a framework he, ref- he talks about, which... Um, like when they're doing, say, couple counseling. So they do a lot of counseling uh, for couples and always looks out for the four horsemen of, of apocalypse. So these are four things or four behaviors that he looks out for when he's consulting uh, couples. And just to give an overview of them, the first one is criticism. Mm. The second one is defensiveness. The third one is contempt. And the fourth one is stonewalling. Um, And so when you look at these four horsemen in relationships um, and how to stop them with antidotes. So remember, these are covered in the section to say the places we go when we feel wronged. And obviously in a relationship, in a romantic relationship, even friendship, there will always be some sort of disagreement or, you know, um, or conflict but the important thing yeah. is to is to make sure that it doesn't get to this level because these are the flags that come up um, mm-hmm. in um, in the counseling sessions uh, yeah. that he has so uh, without going through all of them uh, because I think you guys you really need to look this up um, so I'll give you an idea so there's also ways of uh, how to how to stop these four horsemen with their antidotes, right? So if we look at criticism, so this is one partner criticizing another, verbally attacking them or blaming them, you know, or blaming their character with mm-hmm. words like, why do you always make us late, you know? So an antidote to that criticism is a gentle startup. So you must state how you feel about the situation and what you need. So an example of this will be like, I feel frustrated about about being late. I need to be on time. So that statement is very different to why do you always make us late? You know, yep. so this is about yep. me. It's like I feel frustrated about being late. I need to be mm-hmm. on time. So there's no mm-hmm. attacking anyone there. You see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one on contempt. Uh, so contempt is attacking your partner's sense of self 
with insulting or abusing language that communicates superiority. So this is like bad on so many levels. Mm. Uh, so for example, let's say in that scenario of being late, you say something like, I learned how to tell time when I was five, you know, when are you ever going to learn? So can you see how judgmental that is? Like, it's just yeah. poisonous. Mm. Mm. So instead of passing a sarcastic uh, statement like that, an antidote to contempt is to describe your own feelings and needs. So you must express your positive needs instead of your partner's flaws, you know? Mm. So say something like, it's important to me to be punctual. Please help me with that. So that kind of diffuses the situation. You're not attacking, mm -hmm. you're not doing all those funny things. Um, and the other one I like to mention is stonewalling because I know it, this happens a lot. I used to do this a lot because I avoid conflict. You know, I struggle with that. So I just shut down and avoid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically stonewalling um, is with, throwing from interaction to avoid conflict and convey disapproval, distance and separation. So when you're thinking, oh, I can't take this anymore. I've got to get out of here. So you just like either leave the house or go to another part of the house, like really block the other person out. Instead of stonewalling, an antidote to this is to self-soothe. So you can ask for a break using a signal or a word that you both agreed on. Spend the break doing a calming activity on your own. So this helps you kind of calm down from, you know, those high emotions. So this is how you would communicate it and say, time out. I need a break. I'm going to go for a walk and we can talk about it in 30 minutes. So just stepping out of that situation instead of you just like disappearing or not answering your phone or whatever, or acting weird. So those are the things that you can do. Um, I don't know if I should cover the last one since like I'm at the bottom of the list. Please cover <laughs> it, yeah. So the fourth horseman in relationship is defensiveness. And I think people do this a lot, right? So this mm. is uh, victimizing yourself to ward off a perceived attack or to reverse the blame. So when you're being defensive. Mm. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Um, the example would be, come on, you know, I have a hard time getting up in the morning. So that's how you'd be defensive <laughs> in that situation of being late. Yeah. Instead of being defensive, you need to take responsibility. So how do you do that? You accept that your partner's perspective. Um, so you must accept your partner's perspective. Mm. That's a big one. And then you can offer an apology for any wrongdoing. So I'm sorry for running late. I know how important it is for you to be on time instead mm -hmm. of saying, ah, I'm not a morning person most, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was helpful to look at contempt and criticism, especially in relationships. According to stats, it has been said that really a lot of relationships were strained during um, the COVID, the lockdown uh, times you know that we've just come from and a lot of relationships were lost during that time um, and I feel like a lot of it if we had these tools you know if people had these tools um, a lot of the relationships could have been saved you know because sadly 
it's it's very good to be aware of the different types of of emotions and validate them but i think it's also very important to be able to to control them don't let the emotion control you <laughs> and i think that's what uh, john talks to a lot in the work that he does but let me tell you um i mean we've both been married for such a long time and we would be we would not be telling the truth if we say we haven't gone through ups and downs even in our relationships, you know. Mm. Um, I think one of the times that we were going through a, a hard period, uh, we, we sourced information from John Gottman. But I remember me and my husband laughing so hard. There's some information that we came to of his, of John's, where he says, you know what, after me sharing all that I've shared, 65% of issues in relationships don't actually have solutions. And we were like, what? Wow. <laughs> so just as, as a fun fact. <laughs> so what do you do with them? You just like, uh, okay, we'll just like throw this you know out what? and move on with life. <laughs> I, I want to believe that it just boils down to love. You know that song? It's just love at the end of the day. It all boils down to love. Down to love. <laughs> It all comes down down to love. love. That's it. That's it. Uh, Because realistically, like I'm saying, it can get frustrating depending on what you're going through to access even these tools, (laughs) you know. But I'm not saying they are not uh, worth looking into. I think what, what I, I mean, when I reflected even on this book, what came to me, honestly, as a, as a, as a married woman, I think this is a personal advice from my little life and the little wisdom that I've probably gotten in the time that I've been married. It's best to practice these things when things are fine. You know, uh, that's you cannot use these things when things are bad, <laughs> you know. So you um. almost have to, it has to be like a lifestyle. You know, people go to gym and for the summer bodies, you know, they always say, ah, ah, you can't get a summer body in November. You start at the beginning of the year towards the summer body, you know. So yeah. even communication in a relationship, you have to practice these things when things are fun and it's fine and it's fun and you're alone. You know, you practice these things so that by the time a heated situation comes up, they almost like second nature. Um, you it. won't get it right all the time. Yeah, even Brene says, you know, a lot of the stuff that she's even writing, she's still learning. You'll make mistakes. Mm. But I thought, yeah, from a a personal space, I thought, let me just share that as a nugget. Nice. Thank you for that, my friend. After reading this book, who would you recommend it to? Definitely... um, you know, for couples, definitely, you know, couples, uh, just relationships, uh, couples, friendships, mothers can read it uh, because it does have, you spoke to a, a parenting nugget that stood out for you. And, you know, in any relationship, I think for me, these three relationships would be, this book would be specific to improving in them so it's communication with your kid communicating with your friends 
and communicating with your partner because one of the things that she talks to um are the enemy what what did she call them again enemy enemy emotions you know um the nuances in these emotions um you know it just draws your attention to them and the differences between compassion and uh sympathy and empathy um yep. yeah i think it's worth understanding them because mm. it sort of positions your communication style and how you address things and the sensitivity and the care that one needs to um have you know in in yeah. all three of these relationships so to answer your questions definitely romantic relationships uh parents as well as friendships yeah mm-hmm. it is all encompassing i think it's a lovely guide uh to have in your library generally uh as a point yeah. of reference yeah awesome okay um So that was fun. Um I would really encourage uh people to just like look up. I know that Brene recorded an eight-part series um covering all the emotions in this book. I haven't watched it mm-hmm. because yeah, I think it's on HBO. So it's a document it's a docu series um rather and it's available to watch. So that makes it even more accessible if uh you yeah. don't really feel like reading through or listening through the book uh you can watch it as a mm-hmm. docu series so thank you for reviewing the book with me um i know this is a really busy time for you with the studies uh but you managed to get through this one um i yeah. again learned quite a lot i'm happy to take some of these things into my own toolkit going forward mm-hmm. and yeah i look forward to our next episode where we're going to be talking all things holiday season <laughs> yeah um yeah thank you my friend it was thank lovely you. thanks thanks maviva thank you we hope you have gained something of value from our talk if you get it you get it and if you don't forget about it